Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for May has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E-Fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. My guest this week is Fred Chang, a developer at Symperium, uh, I guess uh, Automatic now, right? Yep. Um, and uh, he works with SimpleNote and the platform behind SimpleNote, and we're just going to chat about everything that has anything to do with that today. How's it going, Fred? Very good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so tell me a little bit about well, tell everyone a little bit about what SimpleNote is, how it began. Sure. So uh, SimpleNote is a note-taking service. So there's a we make an iPhone app, and there's also a web app. Um, it just does plain text notes, um, no images or, or anything like that. Uh, we started it actually back in 2000, I think it was late 2008 now, or maybe early 2009 was the first version um, and this was when the original uh, iPhone was out and there was no sync, there was no search. Um, so we built the, the app SimpleNote mainly for ourselves um, and we kind of kept it in the background. At the time, we were, uh, me and my co-founder were just trying to do mobile things. Um, so SimpleNote was our first uh, attempt at making an iOS app. Uh, and, you know, over the years, it just kind of grew. And um, in 2010, we applied to Y Combinator. Um, so we joined that. And after Y Combinator, we raised some money and we decided Sync was really important and um, decided to make uh, Symperium, which is the syncing platform behind SimpleNote. And uh, an app called Notational Velocity picked this up early on. Um, was that when, when, uh, when notational velocity first started syncing with simple note, was that at that time, uh, on the Symperium platform? No, that was actually, so when we first started out, um, everything was on app engine because we had no idea if it was, you know, going to work or not. And app engine was free at the time. And, um, I think it was John Gruber who, you know, really encouraged us to open up an API uh, so we just kind of threw something together, and you know, over the years of you know working with third-party clients and our own clients, you know, we saw a lot of problems in sync, and we kept adding, you know, to the protocol like things we could make um, to make it safer and more reliable, um, and we kind of took all that knowledge and built Symperium with it. And then um, I, I assume a slew of apps have. In some form, in some form, um, integrated Symperium, but uh, but NVALT was the one that I was working on, which is a fork of that original notational velocity. And we uh, recently, with your help, updated to the Symperium API. So that should be, uh, I mean, it's a it's an evolution, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a kind of a more stable version of what was there before. Yeah, more stable. Um, there were also you know, some bugs with the the previous implementation, um, which was contributed by uh, someone in the community. But you know, they you know, it's been had been a couple of years since they initially contributed the code. 
and weren't really around or able to, to fix things and maintain it. Um, so yeah, it should be a lot more reliable and uh, faster as well. Awesome. So then, uh, then simple note, what, what the company at the time it was acquired was called simple note. Is that I'm uh, just trying to get history, right? Symperium. Okay. So Symperium was then acquired by automatic. Yep. How'd that go? Um, it went pretty well. Uh, you know, at the time, you know, we were kind of at a crossroads. We were, we either needed to raise a lot more money, um, to be able to keep working on simple note and, and Symperium, or we needed to, you know, join up with the company that, uh, saw value in this and, uh, would also want to keep it going. And so, automatic was, um, a perfect fit. So for people who don't know, automatic is, is basically WordPress. It's the company that grew out of WordPress, correct? Yeah. So automatic, uh, is founded by Matt Mullenweg. Um, they do, or we do, uh, WordPress.com. So different than WordPress.org. Uh, WordPress.org is the open source, you know, WordPress, um, and WordPress.com is the, um, the hosted version, um, that automatic runs. Awesome. Um, and so that was essentially, it was a required step, either being acquired, acquired or, uh, doing some massive fundraising. Do you know um, what the future of Simple Note as an automatic subsidiary would be, or Simperium? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, we're trying to we're trying to grow it. Um, so you know, at least for for Simple Note, we're going to be adding. You know, we're working on a, a Mac app as well, um, an Android app because people have been asking for that for forever, um, and then the. You know, obviously, wherever Simple Note is available as a platform, then there will also be a Symperium client library um, as well. So that should be pretty exciting to finally have you know a usable Android library that we can release. Are we going to see it uh, integrated into WordPress in any way? So we're still, you know, that's one of the things we're we're looking at. Uh, so Symperium uh, kind of does this automatic. Uh, real-time data synchronization. Um, so one of the things that it allows you to do is um, uh, do collaboration much more effectively because you know it uses operational transforms so you can um, actually have multiple people editing the same thing at, at the same time. Um, so one of the, the obvious things would be uh, a collaborative editor perhaps or um, uh, might be an alternative API endpoint, so you could more easily build WordPress apps. That could be cool. There's a as some of the bigger, like some of the biggest websites out there are running WordPress right now, um, and it's proving itself to be a viable blogging platform for the future. Uh, I could see a real uh, space for things like collaborative editing, and I, you could probably or version control, things like that into it. That could be very fun. Yeah, that's something, you know, we're still, we're still very much uh, researching and, <laughs> and seeing what makes sense. Is there, um, a, sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, I was just about to say, you know, WordPress also has, you know, it's an open source project. So there's a, 
you know, a whole group of people that are just working on core WordPress. Um, so it's not, you know, we can't just like wholesale say, this is how it's going to be. Sure. Um, it, is there talk at automatic about the future of, um, blogging in general? Uh, like it, there's a lot of, um, kind of side chatter going on about the format of a blog, not being really the, uh, the, the proper format for the future of editorial content. Do, does mm-hmm. this come up at automatic? Do you guys talk about like a complete paradigm shift there? Um, well, people here are always talking about uh, <laughs> stuff in general. There's, I think we have about 160, maybe 170 people now distributed all over the world. Um, so there's always interesting discussions going on about um, blogging and where we should uh, take the product and what kind of features users want and what kind of features we should add. Cool. All right. So, whoa, that was a loud noise. Oh, I, I, you have headphones against your shirt, right? Oh, was that me? Yeah, that was you. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I forgive you. Um, so you've got 160 some people working around the world. That means a lot of people working from home. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, wherever they can find internet. Sure. Yeah. Um, so how much do you work from home versus in an office? Um, so most of the time, so I, I'm based in San Francisco and, uh, automatic has a, um, we just recently in the past couple of months got a pretty large space in, uh, in San Francisco. So, you know, we have the option, people who are based around here have the option of, of coming in here and it's pretty nice. There's, you know, there's drinks and faster internet. Um, so I come in here probably two or three days a week and the rest of the time I'll either be home or at a coffee shop. And what, uh, what do you find? Maybe it's all the same to you, but what do you find the most conducive for actual, like getting down to work and coding? I actually find, um, either coffee shops or actually sometimes I'll go to the library. Um, coffee shops for me work really well. Um, Something about the ambient noise and, and people moving around seems to somehow you know, contribute to focus somehow. I hear that a lot, um, that having that kind of level of di- a level of distraction that's not like a specific uh, disturbance, but more of just a, a buzz around you. Yeah, somehow, just like a, a white noise or something. I wonder, like that, that's never worked for me. I find coffee houses just too distracting in general, but maybe, maybe because I live in a small town and there's never more than like 20 people in a coffee house, but that should be <laughs> enough for white noise. Yeah. I don't know. It, it hasn't worked for me, but I hear that from a lot of people that, that that kind of atmosphere is really conducive to concentration. So you, you work strictly from home. Yes. Uh, the nearest office for me is approximately a three and a half hour plane ride away. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm as far away from either of uh, of my company's offices as I can get, which I'm okay with most of the time. Nice. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't go out to like coffee houses much for the aforementioned reasons. Um, yeah, I I find working from home home 
to usually not be that productive for some reason. Do you consider it's, yourself a social person? Uh, I wouldn't. I, I would be more on the less social side. Okay. I'm wondering if that has any part of it because I'm really not a social person. I have like no need for human contact. I can go days without seeing anybody and not even think about it. Yeah. And I, I think I'm similar. Like, well, when I go to the coffee shop, I, I'm not talking to people. You right. Know, it's just, it's, it's almost one of the most anonymous places you, you can go and, and still be around people. It's interesting. Like everyone is in their own world, drinking their coffee or I guess in San Francisco working on their startup. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know what the difference between us is and why that works for you and it doesn't for me, but I may take another shot at finding a slightly crowded coffee house to, I don't know, for most days, uh, play a little music and uh, I just, you know, I've talked about it on this show before where if I am not able to concentrate and focus on work, I don't, I, you know, I go for a walk, I I play guitar for five minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and then eventually I'll be in a zone where I'll just, I'll more than make up for the time away from the computer uh, with just like rapid fire answers and coding and email responses. And yeah. So you I, find it pretty easy to get into that zone. I find it easy if I, tr- if I don't try to get into it, if I, if I just completely do something else in the back of my head, the problem that I walked away from, continues to kind of uh, process and solve itself. And then suddenly I'll find myself with the answer or, or, you know, an idea to try and I'll get back to my computer and just, it'll just go. Uh, But it kind of has to be like a background subconscious thing. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's the case for me and just about everything I do. If I can learn to just let a problem go and walk away, right. It will, it will be solved. It'll just solve itself. More or less. My brain will solve it without me <laughs> forcing it. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, sometimes, you know, oftentimes I'll, I'll have some problem and, you know, either walking to just like walking around to the subway or, or something, you know, just be kind of randomly thinking about it and it'll just, you know, solution would just come, come to you. And then sometimes you'll, I'll just sit in front of the screen for like hours and nothing will happen. Yeah. Well, I found it's true in relationships too. My wife kind of accidentally taught me that if there's a a big problem, instead of my instinct to uh, attack it head on and talk it to death, Mm -hmm. just walking away, just going for a walk, the same thing happens. The problem the answers become clear. the The problem becomes clear, and then you know you get back together and and it solves itself. It's weird. Interesting. Yeah, it's because my wife she 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 just shuts down uh, in a conflict, <laughs> and and I don't, and that was really bad for us at first. Right. But yeah, learning learning to give her the space to just kind of process. Also made me realize I really needed this space to process too. So, programming and relationships, life uh, lessons yes. from Fred Terpstra and Fred Chang. That's right. It all comes together. So, tell me how Automatic works as a distributed company. Um, 
So actually it's the company's kind of organized into teams and, uh, and we use uh, what we call P2s. So they're, you know, a whole bunch of, of blogs, internal blogs. Um, P2 is a, a special theme. Um, so whereas uh, other companies, you know, where you might have a meeting or, or you know, talk to someone, like here you you post about it to to the blog and uh, there's like comments and you can ping each other across different P2s. Um, is really like the unit of work kind of, or unit of collaboration in the company is, you know, all these, I think there's more, the you know, the inside joke is that there's, Automatic is more P2s than people. It's like over, well over a hundred P2s. Wow. So, so they function, how, how do they function in the context of, uh, overall communication? I mean, how far, how, how, what's the scope of a P2? So, uh, usually they're, you know, they kind of range. They might be like a really short, uh, message about something, um, but the, you know, one of the important things is a lot of our communication has to be asynchronous because, um, you know, we, we don't enforce, uh, you know, global work hours or anything. Um, so you might be, you know, someone on your team might be in Europe, uh, for example, and um, you might only overlap with them a couple hours in the day. So, you know, oftentimes you'll, you'll post about a P2 to, um, uh, to somebody's P2 and about some topic. And then at some point, you know, later they'll respond and you just kind of have that mindset that, you know, uh, things are going to be asynchronous and, um, people will reply when they get around to it. Nice. Yeah. We actually used P2 for a little while at my, uh, my current job. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, actually I built uh command line web, and oh, Alfred and Quicksilver interfaces for it using the API. Oh, awesome. so everyone was just kind of tagging and posting and tagging through Are those uh, uh, on GitHub or something. Only, only on our private GitHub repo. But I should, oh, I should nice. put those out there because they were pretty cool. Um, yeah, they use uh, uh, you have to store your credentials in a dot file in your home directory which is inconvenient, but it was the best solution I had at the time. Yeah. If I come up with a better authentication scheme, it would be worth sharing. Yeah. And the other, you know, the other good thing about it is that, you know, it's all public and, you know, everyone can read it. Yeah. Um, So rather than, you know, stuff being trapped in email or or Skype or something, um, everyone can kind of see what's going on. And especially when we first joined the company, like reading the old P2s, like the, the history was, um, was really useful to get up to speed. Cause you know, people have, you can find out like why certain decisions were made because the whole discussion was happening publicly on, on the P2s. Yeah. I think that's extremely important. I think email chains are the equivalent of, uh, of snail mail these days, like just piles of paper that no one's ever going to reference again, or not yeah. everyone has access to. And, forgot to hit reply all too many times and yeah, having a public, any kind of public, well, public within the group, uh, shared forum like that is so much more effective than email. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing automatic is that's, that's like the default. 
Because, you know, you hear about some uh, companies who do have like remote workers, um, but they still have an office. You know, they might still have an office. And um, a lot of people, you know, your coworkers might be having a conversation or something. And, you know, if you're the remote worker, you might never hear about it or you don't, you might not feel part of the discussion. Whereas, you know, here everything is, you know, is always on the P2. So for a company that's completely distributed, that's kind of a necessity. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, all right. Well, I will break right now for our first sponsor, which is okay. MailChimp.com. Easy email newsletters. I really like this one when Barry does it, but I'm going to read it straight today. Um, MailChimp helps you design email newsletters, share them on social networks, integrate with services you already use, and track your results. It's like your own personal publishing platform. They help you customize your sign-up form to match your brand so you can share it on your website and integrate it into your Facebook page. You can even collect signups from an iPad or a laptop, and importing an existing list into MailChimp is a snap, no matter how it's formatted. You can personalize everything your subscribers see, including signup forms and confirmation emails. There's never been a better time to try MailChimp. With 2,000 subscribers, you can send 12,000 emails per month forever. Just visit MailChimp.com slash 5x5 to learn more. Okay. Given that we only have two sponsors today, we're going to go to the top three picks. And we're going to take our time and really uh, dive into some very nerdy top picks here. Awesome. So I'm going to let you go first, Fred. Okay. So my first pick is Screen Hero. Uh you can find that at screenhero.com. So it's a, uh, it's a screen sharing app. Uh, you download the client and then you can add people to a buddy list and then you pick um, either you know the screen or a specific application window to, to share. And then they see it on their screen. You can see each other's mouse, mouse cursors and um, work on the same thing. Oh, it's, it, it, you can actually see two mouse cursors instead of people battling over the same cursor. Yeah, so it's very cool for, um, you know, they say to, you know, for pair programming or um, if you're, you know, working on some design thing, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and okay, so I'm watching their little demo and it looks like when one person is moving and clicking, the other mouse is like disabled or the other no, cursor. You can, you can still, you can still use it. Oh, I was kind of still... hoping it would disable it so you didn't have so many conflicts because i see a little uh like no sign popping all oh, right yeah well, when you're actually doing input and oh, stuff, okay yeah. wow that uh, see i have tried um i've tried skype i've tried uh me- meeting place and go to meeting and join.me and nothing's ever been uh 100 uh, reliable for me especially when working with clients like outside of a company Right. So, yeah, if this works as well as it looks like it works, that's a great pick. Yeah. And um, I think they have a, a Windows client as well. So, Awesome. For the few clients that I talk to who use Windows, <laughs> given that I kind of consult about Macs, I don't get a lot of that. But every once in a while, that's very cool. Oh, there's an API. I have to click on this. Integrate Screen Hero into your own website. Huh. Oh, I didn't even see this before. 
Interesting. I don't know exactly how or why yet, but I'm going to look that up later. Cool. All right. So screenhero.com. And my first pick is, is pretty nerdy. Um, it's called task badges and it takes files in, um, various text formats, uh, to-do lists in various text formats, uh, such as task paper or square brackets or to do text.com style. Um, and it, puts icons, uh, badges with unfinished to do numbers on your desktop and in finder and in a dropdown in your menu bar. So you just drag a to-do list. I, like I keep a separate task paper file for every one of my personal projects, like coding mm-hmm. projects. And, uh, as I, I use a little command line interface that I wrote to when I'm in a, a repo for a project, I can just type NA and then a task, you know, a reminder or whatever. And I hit enter and it adds it to an inbox section of a task paper file in the current folder. And this lets me uh, visually see um, in Finder how many tasks I have compiled and quickly see what those tasks are. And it's not overly complex. You can't at this point control like what what it badges based on any filters, which mm-hmm. I would like. I would like to build, say, just show me what's in the inbox group or just show me things with the at NA tag. But um, I'm hoping that gets added, but right now for free uh, it's on the Mac app store. It uh, it'll do exactly what I just said it would do. Nothing more, nothing less. So do you tell it which file specifically to, to track? Yep. You drag, you drag them onto uh, its preference window Mm -hmm. and it just automatically any any of those plain text formats uh, that are kind of commonly used, it'll just automatically find the tasks in them. Right. Cool. Pretty nifty. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Okay. So y- your next one? Uh, my next one is uh, Divi. So Divi is, um, I'm not sure what you call it. Uh, Screen so window it- manager? Yeah, screen window size manager. You can set <laughs> shortcuts um, for you know exactly what size you want the screen. Um, there's a hotkey you can press, so it brings up a nice grid. You can um, uh, pretty easily resize your window however you need it, um, and it's really simple, which is mainly why I like it. It is really simple. Um- it, I just noticed that the price has gone up significantly since I remember using it. Um, it's $14 now. But oh, wow. the my favorite feature of Divi is the pop-up, the drag window. Right. Um, so you can, whatever window's in the foreground, you can hit your hotkey and then drag within a window full of smaller squares and it'll resize the window based on the size of the square you drag in that pop-up. That's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. I feel obligated to mention Moom though. And I think we've done Moom as a top pick, but Moom is only $10. And in addition to that kind of drag window and all of the presets, it also, if you hover over the green stoplight icon, it gives uh-huh. you uh, several prefixes and you can access all of your custom uh 
custom sizes and and you can it can do uh motion and sizing so you can say when this when i click this hotkey move it left 50 pixels or shrink it from the right 30 pixels um and you, you have like really finite control and for most people i'd say it's actually overly complicated and divi is definitely the simpler like it's the it just works option right but yeah at the same time, I'm going to link Moom too. So if you want to save $5 and get super nerdy. <laughs> and that, that one's from Many Tricks. Uh, they make a bunch of helpful apps. In fact, that's what it says on their tagline. Makers of helpful apps. Oh, awesome. <laughs> they do Butler and TimeSync and Name Mangler. I don't know if you use any of those, but. I don't. Which, name mangler that sounds interesting it's a it's a pretty good file renamer um have you seen which no it's like it's, it's um it's their version of the application switcher like the command tab switcher right but it gives you a uh, drill down to specific windows for each application oh nice yeah it's pretty good hyper switch is another uh that hyper switch is a cool one because it actually looks like the command tab switcher but when you mm-hmm. have uh, an application highlighted, if you press the down arrow key, it'll show you all the individual windows for that app, and you can flip through those. Right. And if you press the up arrow key on an icon, uh, it'll actually give you like options for new window, new file. Uh, in Safari, if you have Safari highlighted and you press the up arrow, it'll give you all your tabs for that oh, window. Wow. Yeah, that one's hot. Um, I can't remember. Hyper switches not free there's a i can't one there's hyper switch and hyper dock one of them is currently in beta and free and it is oh yeah it's hyper switch is in beta that one's free for now it'll be worth it when it comes out though nice awesome yeah i always have a a gazillion tabs open yeah and and then finding stuff is a nightmare what what browser do you use i use chrome do you use like a session manager at all? No, I've been, I've been kind of, uh, semi looking for a good one. I, so what I, what I usually do is at some point the tabs will just get out of control and, you know, I'll go through and I'll group similar ones and I use pinboard. So I'll, uh, save the whole group yeah. to a tab set or something. Yeah, and that's that's a perfectly viable way to do it. Um, I found a plugin. I can't remember what it's called because it doesn't have its title when I hover it. But it's the icon's an umbrella, and it when you uh, click it, it copies all of your um, all of your open tabs to text, uh, just a text list that I just stick into NVLT. And then I have a service that'll open groups of tabs for me based on selected text. But oh. that's actually because I've tried Fresh Start and I've tried a bunch of other tab managers. And really, if I can't turn a tab into a to-do item or uh, save the text as reference, mm-hmm. I might as well just stick in a text list and search for it by URL if I ever need it. That's my plan right now. Yeah, I, yeah it sounds like a good workflow i'll have to find something to do that well i'll send you i'll 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 put the link uh to that plugin in the show notes if i ever figure out what it is okay 
All right. So that was a that was a long uh, uh, kind of side trail off of uh, Divi. So my next pick is going to be Text Expander Touch 2.0. Uh, recently released. I know we've mentioned Text Expander a ton on this show, and they've graciously sponsored us before. Um, but Touch ex- t- Text Expander Touch 2.0 for iOS adds rich text snippets. It adds um, fill-in snippets, which they've had on the Mac for a while, but uh, now you can use in iOS. You can even create them in iOS so that as you type a snippet, title in it pops up a fill-in window where you can have variables and drop down menus and optional sections and uh then you can just fill in the parts and it'll create the big long snippet for you with all of the variables in it um it improves thinking it adds selection ranges url schemes it's really cool it's a free update for everyone using text expander touch uh which is very cool and i don't remember the price offhand for new users but if you use text expander on the Mac and you should um, definitely get it for your iPhone too. Cause this is really cool. Yeah. Text expander was, it was one of our first uh, third party kind of integrations for uh, first simple note as well. Yes. Oh man. They yeah, have like so guys. many. Yeah. They have so many uh, apps using the API now. Yeah. Uh, there's over a hundred. In fact, uh, Max Sparky, uh, David Sparks has a great video up on Vimeo that I'll link as well, kind of showing some of the newer features. But yeah, Simple Note and oh boy, how many? I can't I think, think of, it's. I can't, it's almost become like a standard to to support. Text yeah, Expander you'd now. almost have to name the apps that don't support it. Yeah, uh, if you wanted to go into it, all your favorite text editors pretty much use this. So. All my favorite text editors anyway. I guess I kind of, I pan a text editor immediately if it doesn't have text expander support. Yeah, as you should. (laughs) All right. Hey, are there, are there any editors other than the simple note, uh, app on iOS that, uh, sync with simple note? Um, there, there might be some we're not aware of, but there's also, uh, Listery, oh, Listery, yeah. yeah. Um, they sync with um, Simple Note also. And Listery is designed for actually creating lists, and it uses kind of a markdown syntax and lets you drag list items around on the screen, and you can mark them as done, so you can make checklists out of it. That right. was a pretty cool app. Are they still actively developing? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't checked them out in a while. But yeah, that was. That was the first simple note iOS integration I saw for sure. Yeah. Well, I hope there there will be app.com. Yeah. Yeah. It was in my history. Cool. All right. Um, Your turn. Uh, So my last pick is uh, a open source project called impromptu. And uh, what it is, it's uh, it's like a custom prompt server system. Um, so when you when you start in prompt, you, you know, it replaces your uh, your prompt in your, in your terminal, and uh, it starts a node server in the background and spawns some child processes. So it uh, when you press enter, 
uh, it makes a request to render your prompt. So it does all this stuff to you know cache um, network requests to make sure your prompt is always super fast. Um, but some of the cool stuff that they can do is you know now you can have um, you can write your own custom modules and have pretty much you know any information that you can get from the internet uh, in your prompt. So like in the standard one, they have um, a Git integration. So um, for example, you can you know in your Git repo, it'll, it'll recognize that you're in a Git repo and it'll go check the remote and see if you're you know currently ahead or or behind, for example. Nice. So it's it's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, like, basically, instead of typing git status every time you do something, you can git fetch git status all in your prompt. Yeah, and it yeah, it, and it does the um, the remote requests too. So you can um, check not just you know the local local right. stats, but how's it com- how it compares to the remote. That's really cool. What are some yeah. of the other uh, kind of internet based plugins that exist already? Well, they just, um, it's pretty much just starting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for myself, like, uh, I, I kind of integrate it with some Symperium stats that, uh, that I want to know about. Um, but you can write your own, you know, it's all in, in node and, and coffee script. So you can write your own custom modules to do, you know, whatever, whatever it is you need. Could you have it berate you for, um, unrecognized commands like if it returns an error have it pull uh, a random line and berate <laughs> the user uh no but good you probably could no I, I won't waste time on that <laughs> sounds funny in my head but i know that in 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 practice i would find it just it's so annoying you, you should just send them a pull request <laughs> Okay. Well, that sounds awesome. And, and I like the fact that it's, uh, it's running a server. So with the async always ready, I, I've, I've written some very complicated prompts, uh, right. that, that use prompt command to run hooks and ultimately end up with, I hit enter and I get a four second delay before my next prompt comes up. And then I throw that prompt away. So that sounds really, really fun. And extensible. Yeah, so yeah, I know the guys who um, who made it, uh, Evan Solomon and Daryl uh, Cooper Smith. Um, but they they spent so much time making sure that you know the prompt is always amazingly fast because you know it's something you're you're using all the time and it has to render immediately. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I will definitely be checking that out. Um, for my last pick. I was going to talk about notebooks, and then as we were talking, I realized that it's an iOS app uh, that is, you know, it's a notebook, and they have a Mac beta right now. But you guys, it's like direct competition for you now that you're working on a Mac app. So I'm going to skip that one, talk about it <laughs> another week. And instead, I'm going to mention, I think I've mentioned it before, but I'm in love with my Nest thermostat. Mm-hmm. And as far as thermostats go, it's like it's possibly the most exciting thermostat in the world, given there's not a lot of competition in the excitement arena for thermostats. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ran into an issue lately where uh, voltage spikes were causing the fan to stay on permanently. It like flipped a binary switch and just never it can't shut it off now. 
And what really uh, impressed me was when I called support, they they were able to diagnose the problem over the phone. They let me know that in the uh, version one that I have of the Nest, there was not a fix and version two couldn't guarantee a fix. And so I said, OK, you know, uh, keep me posted as you fix this. And within a week, they had called me back and they put me on an engineering program where they're sending me a beta model to test for free. And they've stayed in touch with me. And I've, the support has just been amazing. So if you've ever looked at the Nest and thought, I don't know, what if it doesn't work? Give it a shot because it's not cheap, but it's really, uh, it's gorgeous. It's fun to use. It's uh, it's smart. It auto learns your, your away settings and your uh, kind of temperature preferences over the day. And it'll save you energy and save you money. And I should... I should sell this. I mean, I should be a salesperson. You well, should get an like affiliate fee or something. I should. I should. I'll make another phone call. But <laughs> yeah, no, I. It's absolutely awesome. It's my favorite part of my living room right now is my Nest. Um, is there an API for it as well? No, there's not yet. They keep saying they're working on it, and and I assume they will let me know when it's available. But I would love to be able to hook it into the rest of my home automation system. Right, right. now, there there is web access to your settings and all of your scheduling. And there's some there's an app, uh, Climate, I think it's called now, on the Mac that can do it as well. But there's no direct API. That app basically taps into the web interface for it. Oh, I see. So they like, you know, run some sort of headless client and yeah. screen scrape and stuff. Yeah, essentially. Um, it's a, uh, it, it, it will double in usefulness for me. Well, it would, it will double in fun once there's an API available, but as it is, it's so easy to use, uh, in front of it or remotely on the iPhone or the iPad or your Mac, um, or any web browser that it, uh, it doesn't require an API for me to love it yet. Cool. Yeah. Well, so that was top three picks. Awesome. I'm going to do a, a sponsor and then we'll figure out how we're going to wrap this. Okay. All right. So sponsor number two, shutterstock.com where you'll find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find images from across the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. Choose whatever fits your need and never have to compromise. If you need just one image for your blog or mock-up, you can do that too. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new since they add 10,000 new images every day. And it's more affordable than you think, with no extra charge for large files. Just download any image at any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, you can just take them. Easily curate and share pictures via Lightboxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own Lightbox gallery as you search. You can also use their iPad app to do this. There's something called Enhanced License Access. If you like an image and want to run it on print or swag for your trade shows... They can get you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips should you need any of those. 
If you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions. They also have 24-hour support during the week. Sign up for a free browse account. Uh, Just go to Shutterstock.com. No credit card needed. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME5, all one word, and get 30% off of any package. All right. So, Fred, you are uh, you're Fred Rocious on Twitter. Yes. And app.net. Yes. But you're not using app.net a lot. No, not really. I, I signed up a while ago, but uh, I have enough trouble keeping up with regular Twitter. <laughs> regular Twitter instead of app.twitter? Hmm. Okay. So why'd you sign up just because you felt like you needed to be there? Um, did you have high hopes? I, I did have high hopes and it, you know, it seemed like a, a lot of people that, you know, I follow on Twitter or, or listen to their podcasts or, or on app.net. Mm-hmm. So everyone's always you know referencing their app.net conversations. So I was like, oh, I, I should check it out. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll tell people that if they want to find you, look for Fred Rocious on Twitter, where you'll be more <laughs> likely to see any responses. Probably. All right. Well, I think I think that's the end of the podcast. I'm gonna go ahead and <laughs> sign off. Thank you, Fred, for being here, and we will be back in one week. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.